All right, so welcome to Pride Conversations with L. Jackson Bostwer. Today, I got a friend of mine, a cousin of mine, a lovely woman, uh, lady. Her name is V, aka Veronica, aka. Um, what other names do you have? I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. V, Veronica, love Veronica. Um, I guess on Instagram. Love yes. Veronica on Instagram. Love, you must follow her. She's got nice stuff on her. So it's Love Veronica. Yeah. And, and today, uh, maybe you could just introduce yourself and, and tell us what you do. And um, okay, um, simply put, um, my name is Love Veronica. I am a lover of Jesus Christ. I have to say that first and foremost. Um, I'm a believer and um, I think on the record that should be the main thing. Um, other than that, I am a practicing architect. Um, I'm a candidate to be exact. And I'm a designer at heart. Um, and I also love doing DIY projects. So, you know, I'm very hands-on. And that's, that's who I am, yeah. Mm, awesome uh, lover of god you, you, you know what i like about the whole part about you being a lover of god is that uh, a lot of people they, like today i was actually doing um, uh, one of our devotions and it was talking about you know us being in communities where we can make a difference especially in nations and um always you know when you if we look at most of our leaders from way back when, when they used to be proper, like proper hands-on Christians, they, they, they used to do proper leading. And nowadays it's like, uh, it's skeptic. And today, actually, we want to talk, I want to vent. And I don't know if V is going to vent with me or she's going to disagree with me. But I just I'm here vent. for it. I'm here for it. I, I'm definitely here for it. Yeah, I just want to vent about our governments in Africa. That's all. In Africa. Of course. What's happening with of our course. governments in Africa? By the way, I actually wrote my thesis um, speaking about um, colonization and how we actually haven't uh, changed the narrative. We've just become the black versions of the colonizers. So I think it's quite an interesting, it's quite an interesting topic to speak about. Wow. Okay. Okay. Could, could you do like a um uh, um uh, uh, a minimized version of your of your a summary? <laughs> summary. Oh no. Um, so my project was based in Tanzania, and I was looking at uh, protest. Protest is a form of architecture. Um, so it is more about um, utilizing your voice and your body um, and the movement of your body to, uh, as an agent to, to protest against what the government is, um, is, is like doing at the time in Tanzania. So I designed an event which was, um, which is a celebration of Independence Day. So I was really just commenting on how we are um, continuing to celebrate um, our independence from the colonial ruling or in South Africa, the apartheid ruling and how we, I question, are we actually free from it? Because the mindset behind a lot of the colonial power was really business-minded or very much, um, very much about dominance and control and also, um, uh, I really question if we have really moved past that. Um, and that's basically what it was. Mm, mm, okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's a very, that's a very like, informative. You must give me the links to that uh, if you still have the, um, the thesis. And maybe I can share it around as well. Oh, wow. I'll let you know. <laughs> Come on. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm a bit shy. No, no, you, you <laughs> but can't I'll let be shy. you know. <laughs> you can't be shy. But this, this is actually a big issue, hey? If if we're looking at our economy and we're looking at the way people, you know, the, the, the way of living that people have to, the, the, the difficulties in, in living, in mm. especially in a country such as South Africa, where we're finding that it's, oh, it's most probably one of the, 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 the biggest economy in Africa, yes. but yes. our standard of living does not equate what our 
or, or what we attempt to be, you know, the yes, yes. Now, I, I would ask maybe, let me ask this question. What is African governance? Like, what is your, your thoughts towards that? Are you asking what it is currently or what it should be? Um, let's give it both. What is, what, is, what is it today and what should it be? I think today it's very aristocratic, meaning that uh, it's more about the upper echelon um, and it's more about getting, it's more about taking care of your own pocket and your own wallet before maybe taking care of the nation's wallet or the nation's pocket. I think it's very um, self-oriented self and um, I think the governance it speaks towards that, meaning that you'll note that a lot of governmental leaders or people in power would make decisions that only benefit themselves or benefit the, the, the politics um, of, of the country, not necessarily the people. Um, so I, I think because we are um, not socialists in our, as, as our, um, our ways or our means of living, it's not a socialist, it's not a socialist regime. Um, because of that, we are really just, I'm not saying that I'm for the socialist regime. I'm just saying that the heart is really more um, about economy being business oriented towards the government's um, benefit. Um, so, so I think for, for and, and we're not communists either. Yeah. I think we're a hybrid, you know, I think we're a hybrid um, and because we're a hybrid, we lean more towards um, being, what's the other term? Is communist, socialist, and the one that we are. Please help um, me with the term. Um, 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 it's communist, socialist, and then it's what? Pan-Africanist. No, not Pan-Africanist. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just, sure our listeners are like telling us the word as they say, <laughs> my mind just went blank. I just but, forgot um, the word as well, but I know what you mean. Yes, I'll get the word for you now, but um, that's what I think about what it is currently. What yes. it should be is, I, I think it should be a, an idealistic hybrid of the three. I think we are, we are not an idealistic hybrid of the three. I'm going to get the word. Um, so maybe just take over for a few seconds while I get the word. Capitalists. Capitalists. Thank <laughs> you. We are capitalists. <laughs> do you think do you think we are capitalists because um looking at the whole the, the narrative the way the narrative is is that if you if you look at especially just looking at all the governments in africa at, at most i think yes we are we are 50 percent capitalist but like 30 percent um communist and maybe 20 percent uh socialist Hmm. I think I, I would I would beg to differ with that. I think we are actually maybe 70% capitalist. Like, look at this. Look at the tender process. Mm -hmm. Have a look at the tender process and scrutinize it properly. Government would have an issue within within the country, and they'll take they'll they'd render um, a, a tender process, which is fair. But how the tender process is laid out and how it is actually delivered, or maybe like let's just say the implementation of the tender process becomes a little like blurry and tricky mm. because we're capitalists right you'll see just in how we deliver our tenders and how we appoint the people the tender winners or the people that that acquire the tender is not clear cut usually it it's under deal underhand dealings or something mm. happens uh, someone uh, um, uh, uh, um what's this um a person would have to basically relax their uh, fees quite significantly to just acquire the tender. And we've just, it's just now a game of money more than it is a game of who's actually the best to, to do this job. And I think that's why I would disagree in saying that we're not really socialists or, or communists as much as we are capitalists um, because we, we really think money in the forefront in terms of, our personal gain, regardless of whether you're coming from the government side or you're coming from the consumer side, we we are gunning for the we're gunning for the money, and I think it's because Africa in general has been known to not have much, and they've it, and it's and it's and it's always been 
a, a struggle of like dominance and 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 power and 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 money, really, because we're coming from a very interesting background actually when it comes to poverty. So I think it's it's just that 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 is in the forefront. That's my opinion. What is yours? But now, do you think? Because on my side, I think it is. I don't agree with you, but just the part where Africa comes from a background where we don't have anything. I feel like we do have, you know, uh, I watched a video sometime of this one speaker who was speaking about saying the question that should be asked is, is we shouldn't be asking the question of why did the Europeans or the West come and, and make us slaves, mm. make us as slaves. But the question mm. that should be asked is which what was the thought behind the leaders, the African leaders that sold those slaves into slavery? Mm, mm. So what was the yes. thought behind that? So do you, would we then say, um, I think Africa has everything, but we just are maybe lazy to, to create something out of it and, 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 and make it a, uh, an economic uprise uprise. lack of yeah if we're looking at it from that from that perspective because my uh the my initial comment about us not having much is not about us not having resources we we are blessed with resources i think africa right now even is the most blessed continent when it comes to resources um and for, for us, I think it's also the mismanagement of resources is in question. The maybe the the, the acquiring of the resources resources is also in question. I mean, mm-hmm. um, because of the European counterparts or Western counterparts, however you want to name it, they would always have that sense of ownership on our resources because they had uh, aided in in acquiring the resource. In other words, we're sitting on a pot of gold, but we have no idea how to access it. But now we have to call a brother in in Europe to help us get the gold that we have. And they end up up owning the entire ensemble. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, that's how Africa has been operating since for I guess from from for a very long time it's all about yes we've got the stuff we don't have the resources to to we don't currently have the resource the 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 ability to acquire so now what we do is we get someone else overseas instead of um finding ways um internally to build and to progress and to 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 have ownership of of these things that are actually ours um i think i don't know if laziness is i think laziness is like the easiest um <laughs> reason but I, I i do think it's deeper than that um being that it could be just um not it could be education training and a lot of things mixed with the laziness i think it's it's deeper than that but with the with the amount of um, it could be laziness and entitlement, because mm. with the amount of information that we have, there's a lot. There's a lot that we can do. You know, it's just it's just a matter of reading books, um, doing research on the internet. Now we have internet, which we didn't have years ago. Now you can do research. You know, I, I could think growing up, we used to have where I'd go visit friends or go visit other family where we had like all these encyclopedias uh, with all this research that was done over the but who, who gave those to us? Who gave those the to Europeans. us? Europeans. Where do they come from? <laughs> <laughs> from the West. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying, like, I think they, a lot of people have done so much research. We don't, we don't do research. Um, it could even go down to to our African cultures and traditions where we are told that do not ask questions where you don't mm, mm. need to ask questions. It could, it could come from that end. Because now, if, if you're going to tell me, um, for example, if you tell me about, about being, being a, a very cultural person, uh, doing all the traditional uh, rituals and stuff like that, and as compared to being a Christian, and then now, when you ask some of the traditional stuff, you know, when you ask about these rituals, they'll tell you, do not ask. We found it like this, and we just keep doing it. And yet, if mm. you ask about Christianity, it, it will tell you, 
oh, oh yeah, you can look for information on this book, on the Bible, on this and that and that and that. There's so many mm -hmm. that you can find answers. But when it comes to our traditional stuff, we don't find any answers to that. So which could then add on to the part where we say um, the West might have brought all that research and all that information, but we mm -hmm. do not research for ourselves. We, we don't research for ourselves. So could it be maybe because of, of, of that generation's thought that has um, sift through into our generations as well? Well, you know, um, just to comment on how uh, we, we weren't allowed to, as, as Africans, it was kind of taboo to ask questions. Um, what I do know is that uh, like prehistoric times and even up until recent uh, pre-colonial times, the way information was passed down was through word of mouth, was, was through storytelling. And what would happen is that the oldest woman or the oldest man would sit around a fire and with the youngest people and, and pass down stories, stories of creation, stories of the stories of, of, of I don't know, the way of life um, um, in that time. And it would be passed down verbally, right? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a verbal transfer because I think I think it also translated into um, hier like like uh, not hieroglyphics but like paintings on the walls and, and there were many other there were other ways of expressing information of that time. But what was unfortunate is that before we could even get to the paper and the pen, it was brought to us. Mm. You know, we were we were we were. It's almost like we were we were um, five steps behind you know, yeah, at, yeah. when it comes to the way the Europeans were progressing. And um, Egypt plays such a big role in, in, in a lot of these things that we're talking about, because I mean, the, the invention of paper from papyrus, there's a lot of things that we can go into when it comes to our history. But mm -hmm. coming back to now today, I feel like Africa is pro uh, it progresses on a different curve from Europe. And I think the difference will always show I'm not sure how we can fill the gap or bridge that gap so that mm -hmm. we are equal counterparts. I think we need to start talking about bridging the gap um, because now what really is happening is that you'll find Asia and Europe are way ahead and they will always be 10 steps ahead because they started off 10 steps, 10 steps ahead. What is that gap that we need to fill? You know, What is that in terms of technology, in terms of just a lot of, a lot of aspects of society, why are we still third world? Yeah, you know why are we still third world? Because at the end of the day, we will always be um, a, um, a, a, almost like a slave to the those that are dominant or more progressive than us. But, but at now, the end of the day, they'll always utilize Africa as a space of 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 trials, uh, testings, and all these things. Like now, it's we're being colonized by Asia as we speak. China is the new colonial party, and we we're sleeping on that as well. <laughs> yeah, true that. And you ask you, you ask you ask yourself why? Why is it that we've always been this this um this the land of trials and tests, and um you know uh you can you can manipulate us so easily with money because you just have to throw money it's uh, this is what it is you just throw money at an african and the african will dance yeah it's been like that and i could like systematically like take that down to pre-colonial times you throw money at the african the african will dance that is so true and and, mm -hmm. and then the question the question that i would maybe add on is then how do we then bridge the gap if we have situations like, for example, um, I was checking out the news last week where we have a water problem here in South Africa. Mm, mm. And in having the water problem, why then does the government, firstly, we have a water problem, we've got an unemployment problem, right? Now, we have a lot of young engineers who are amazing, brilliant at their work. We could have, and then now we, we're talking about um, employing engineers from Cuba to come and do something in, in South Africa mm -hmm. that South Africans can do, to come and solve a problem, a South African problem. And, and then at the same time, with, with all these great minds, those Cubans can't even speak the language, you know? And then you're expecting them to come and help us. It, it, in a, it, it just doesn't make sense. How do we bridge a gap if our own leaders are doing this to us. 
Mm, this is a, a very, I think it's a very touchy subject, actually, because um, you'll find the same technique used in business um, in general, where you would have employees that are well equipped, but you'd still outsource another branch of the same employees that you have to do to do the work inside um, yeah. the company that you're in. It doesn't it doesn't make sense logically to the logic mind, but business in terms of business and in terms of collaboration and and relationship, it makes sense. It could be that that the government has to has to form a, an alliance with Cuba. It could be that we should be asking. Okay, it's probably not about the fact that we have skilled engineers inland. It's probably because there has to be some form of relationship, financial beneficial relationship formed with Cuba. And this is the only way that we can show cross-border um, um, cross border pollination. You know what I mean? Like where it's, it's about now, oh yes, to show that we have a relationship with Cuba, we're taking their engineers to do this. Not because we don't have skilled engineers, but that relationship that they're forming is questionable. That's the thing. My thing is, um, actually, someone mentioned that, I think I was listening to on radio, mentioned that we've got, we've, we basically have a debt that we need to pay Cuba. And I'm like, okay, we do have a debt to pay, but how does a father then, or, or a parent, how does a parent then go and pay the debt before he feeds his own children? Wouldn't it, is, better, wouldn't it be better to feed your children and, and get them to maybe work for you as well to help you pay that debt? I think, to be honest, I think um, what we're talking about more is about, uh, let me give you a story of, you know how McDonald's enters and buys property? Yes. So it's almost, uh, it's like a, it's a power, it's a power sharing uh, technique where the, 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 the government would employ someone from Cuba, not because they're good or not because they, only because they owe a debt, but this debt is now coming in the form of power. Power is now entering the land more than it is the engineers themselves, right? Because now Cuba is now going to be internationally known as the ones that helped South Africa. Do you understand? Yeah. So now it's more like a power thing. So it's, I don't necessarily think the government is actually feeding Cuba. Um, as much as we think they are, I don't think they have the money to feed Cuba. I think now what the exchange is not necessarily money. I think the exchange now is more about dominance, power, and being able to acquire the the favor of a, of a, um, of the rest of the world by saying that yes, we we own part, we have part ownership of this portion of South Africa when it comes to research, research and development. You know. Um, or whatever it is that the engineers are doing, they, they have now ownership of that internationally. So it's almost like, yeah, friends, look, this is, this, is what we're, this is the work we're doing in South Africa. And that's what the government has given them. They haven't really given them money. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 a bigger, it's a bigger political thing. And I think the, if the government wanted to or could uh, provide for the engineers in South Africa, because of the debt they have, not only in Cuba or wherever else, I think they would rather play those games first. And yeah. you'll find the president saying things like, oh, it's time that South Africa gets their own uh, vaccine made here in land, but how? How, where are the resources for that? Mm. Where is, where is and they're bringing in a, um, um, they're bringing in a, a vaccine currently that uh, requires um, a, a surplus of, of like refrigeration that doesn't, that, that we don't even have, mm. you know, so I think it's quite an interesting and a quite an interesting conversation as to there's things that we don't know and that there's things that we're seeing. But, but we don't know certain things. And, and I think we have to ask the question, okay, what is it that Cuba is gaining from this? It's not money, I can guarantee you. But don't you think that, because the, the, basically they've taken the taxpayers' money to put into another government, instead of taking that money and putting into your own people here in, in South Africa, you know? I think yeah. that would be a better bit. It's in the same light as in speaking about the vaccine, we have enough um, facilities right here in South Africa at Wits University that have been doing a, a brilliant work, a brilliant job mm. in, in tracing the, the virus, 
and looking uh, and you know looking at the variant what we can do to help um uh, to, to help like basically stop the, the virus couldn't it be better wouldn't it that have been a better way to say um the the so-called 400 billion that was spent last year could it have been better for them to actually mm. that money and put it into this university and say listen you guys create the vaccine um, work on this virus and let's see how we can. We've never used our own resources. We're always selling them out there. Yes. We've never, like, what is the thought behind that? We've never used them to benefit us. <laughs> no, we've never used them to benefit us. It's always about using them to get other people to pay. Welcome to, to capitalism. Welcome. This is <laughs> full blown. <laughs> That's the thing for me. That's the thing for me. I don't understand why Africans would adopt capitalism to begin with. I mean, for Americans, look at America's situation. They do the same thing. Um, wherever you go where capitalist capitalism is the main thing. This is how this is how the game is played. Mm. Um, there's not much we can say about it because we're in it. But I think um, it would be very beneficial to bring an economist into this conversation and to draw to draw more intel from someone who kind of understands how this game goes. Because I see mm. it as a game. It's 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 not the the government's sole purpose should be on paper for their people. Mm. It should be. But what we are seeing is that. It's, it's bigger than that. It's beyond that. It's yeah. it's now, okay, the people are probably like maybe eighth place. There's so many other things to take care of before the mm -hmm. people. And I think what we are doing is we're suffering um, from, from those, from, from that, um, from that startup. The way it started up is already bad. I mean, if we started off maybe um, communistic, I think we would struggle at the beginning, but somehow we would find our feet, but we'll still have problems because communism in itself has its own issues. So our start, our starting point is already problematic. Hence, I believe that Africa was supposed to, Africa in general, South Africa specifically, was supposed to start with a hybrid implementation um, of, 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 the, of the economic forms. And what we didn't do is we didn't start in a hybrid. We started capitalistically. I mean, if we had to think about the Oppenheimers and go back to just what happened there, it the apartheid exchange you know it's very controversial to speak about but these these are things that are rooted in our in us who owns the mines how yeah. many south africans own the mines ask yourself how many south africans own these lab laboratories that we're talking about how yeah. many south africans own the, their own land how many South Africans own land i think we need to start asking these questions because now it's all rooted back to how we began our beginnings and now we're still we're paying the consequences of all of these things that happened the decisions made before before us right now is what we're paying for it's unfortunate that the the anc has to con has to continue a certain way but, but why should it continue a certain way ask um, ask we have to ask these questions who owns the anc who owns the anc it's supposed, owns the the it's supposed to be the people. So no, it's supposed to be <laughs> reality. <laughs> True. But the thing is that um, okay, then I I, I I I believe now it's I think it's time for us to to look into leaders such as Martin Luther King Jr. Let's look into lead, mm. leaders such as um um but what's his name, man? Um, Steve Biko, you know, let's look at the Chris Hannes. Mm, mm, guys mm. were young in leadership. Yes. They were already young, but they were like yes. getting into positions and making an impact in, in, in just not only the country, mm. but in the world, right? So I believe that yes. today we, 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 we young people need to start leading that, taking that step further and not getting into the, the political um, game for, for our own game, but let's get into the political game to make a difference. Now, how can we do that? How I agree we... with that. I, I think it's, 
Wow. Uh, to be honest, to be very honest, I think we need to take care of the poverty aspect of life first. I think, uh, think about it. A lot of uh, greed, greed comes from, from a place of lack, right? Mm. If, you, if, if, you, if you've grown up a certain way, just think about all the people in government. They all have a, a certain way they grow, they've grown up and now they basically are, are trying to kind of now uh, grow beyond that and, and, and benefit themselves beyond the way they grew up. Poverty mm. in, in South Africa has really been um, one of the issues that really kind of motivates uh, uh, fraud, corruption, and greed, right? Mm. I think if we had to look at the issues that we have, it'll be easy to say, okay, get a kind-hearted, good-hearted person in power and things will be solved. But no, there's so many other, there's so many other mouths that are below, below you regardless. It means we have to an annihilate the entire board and only get great, kind-hearted, non-greedy people, which is almost impossible in, mm. in, the, in the context we live in, right? Let's look at Belgium for us as a, as a case study right now. Belgium is, I would say they're like one of the, one of the countries I feel like are, are doing well in, in being a hybrid uh, kind of economy where they, uh, they don't believe that there should be any uh, person uh, begging for money on the street. So the moment, this is just the ethos. If you have a look at Belgium, their ethos is that it's almost a shame for them to display their country as 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 poor in any in any aspect. So if they see someone begging on the street, they literally start to um, um, provide for them uh, financially and make sure that they they get off um, they get they get to a better economic standing, right? So mm -hmm. as it stands, Belgium probably has a not comma not three percent um, um, like uh, poverty poverty rate. You know, very a very minimal poverty rate, and it's it's because their government is socialist when it comes to poverty. Like um, you'll see that their taxes are extremely high, but you know where the money is going. It's free education in most parts. It's there's a lot of things happening to just uphold or kind of to kind of lift up the people of the nation. Now, if you take the same template and apply it to South Africa you'll see it's gonna be very problematic because we don't currently have enough money to do that. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to say with the free education aspect as well. We're trying to say free education, you know, but how, how Sway, how do we do it when there's the aspect of poverty in general that exists? So, so you know how we do it? How do we do, do it? it? We remove everyone in leadership. Everyone. Everyone. This is so idealistic. <laughs> the thing is, I, I, I think young people should just mobilize each other and go out yes. there and say, listen, we're done, we're tired. We need everyone to go. Be it that it's the EFF, it's the DA, it's uh, the VF. Do we have class. enough young people? That are we do wow. have enough young <laughs> We actually do have enough young people who can do that. But our problem is that we keep giving these responsibilities over to other people because we, we've lived in a society where we've been taught that it's uh, it's not for us to take responsibility of our own failures, but we need to blame it on someone. So we're not mm, going to mm. go into these positions because we don't we don't want to take the blame. We don't want to take responsibility. We need to start taking yeah. responsibility. We are the people. We are the government. You know, there might be other people governing us, but we are the government. So we need to take this responsibility, especially as young people, because we have to build something for the next generation. We can do that. Yeah. And, and just, just like a, a, a funny thought is that Belgium, they actually speak uh, a dialect that is similar to Afrikaans. So yes, they Dutch. Yeah, it's it's basically Dutch. Yeah. Yes. So could it be that maybe we should get an Afrikaans government? <laughs> <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> yeah, it's simple. Let's just get an Afrikaans government and then we come back. <laughs> well, I was 
I think employing the youth, I think employing the youth and giving them power is, is it could it could be beneficial and also detrimental at the same time because um, we don't have uh, not all of us are skilled like and 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 are knowledgeable when it comes to some of these things. I do believe that the youth, the power, like the the, the ability for change or the the potential for change rests in the youth than it does in the gener the generation above us. But however, I. I do also say that you know the youth themselves still also grew up seeing poverty, and it, you can't guarantee that they won't have the heart to take care of their own pocket before the pocket of the people first. You can't because I think look at all the child-owned homes. Uh, there's so many. There's so many um, nuances that are existing in 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 society as it stands, mm, mm, and. Mm. I feel like you know it to me. I think the solution is is, is simple, but it, it doesn't. It's not quick. I think the solution is really about ma uh, management of funds, right? Mm -hmm. And how um, how funds are managed. We don't like we we are given we are invested in by so many countries, mm. billions of US dollars, billions of all these um, currencies come into South Africa. But what happens to that money? How is it managed? Who is it that that wh where is it going? And I think the thing is, it's not going to the it's not going to people. Yes, yes. It's going to individuals, but it's not no. going to people. And I think um, it, the it's like it's like townships, right? As they stand, like Alex, you look at Alex, you look at Tindisa, you look at Soweto, you look at all these townships that have kind of erupted. That is literally like the fruit the fruit of, of the government. That is the fruit of the government. That is the fruit of how they, they have been um, running things. And they will let those places continue to grow. Do you know that a township like, um, like, um, like Alex grew from, from 300,000 people to over 1.5 million people in such a yeah. short space of time? But that's because where Alex could have been solved a long time ago. Let me tell you something. Alex could have been solved with a, a good one billion. A good one billion could have solved Alex. I promise you. Like, what do you do with that one billion in Alex? Okay, firstly, you provide housing. Yes, subsidized by the government housing. Don't you think? Just provide think, housing. Don't you think? Don't you think? Yes. Um, to change the standard of living, maybe. Yes. Did you think that one billion would have been better if we built about let's just say for example i, I don't know how big the area of alex is but let's it's very small <laughs> oh, around yeah. alex let's build 20 schools right in these 20 mm -hmm. schools give them the same education that you get in in a private school yes right and then yes. uh maybe build about 10 hospitals or something like that right but should yeah. the same standard of a private hospital. Right? Yes, we need to upscale the standard of living. Yes. yes. It's, it's not about building the houses, giving them homes. But no, now, it's about building, it's about building them. No, no, no. Now, now check, check where I'm going with this. I one. mean, building the people, sorry. Yes. It's about building the people. Yeah, yes. look at where I'm going with this one. The biggest, because mm. I've realized, um, uh, um, I've, I've lived in, in midstream in an estate, midstream, for those that are not in South Africa, there's an estate that I, I've lived in for about two years. And I realized in our black, so in our black society or black families, when their children, because their children go to private school, their friends are basically in a different standard of living as compared to what we're used to as black people. And now uh, what happens is that the, their parents tend to start um, changing the way of living because of the standard that their children have kind of like brought, yes. up, brought into, yes. into their lives. So they, meaning that children can actually be the, the factor to change the standard of living in a, in a space or in a place like Alex or Tembisa or Soweto, whichever the place it is. So I think if, if we give them that education that's the same standard of education as what you get in a, in, in, in a private school. Then at the end of the day, I think we're going to build a better community around Alex and that Alex will change from that standard of living where we feel like poverty is the way we live, but now we change 
the way we live. So you're basically saying we need to eradicate poverty through through uh, the children themselves. Um, yeah. I think the parents are still uh, um, a little bit problematic, yes. especially like in a township setting. I'm not sure if you've experienced this, but yeah. a lot of a lot of the older generation, let's talk about be it uh, the parents and the grandparents, when it comes to, for instance, just English as a language. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about English as a language. There's resentment, there's contention, and there's almost like a complete rejection of just English as a as a as a as a as a language, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if yeah. you've been in those spaces where they've completely um, uh, cancelled like the English language because it it just it just brings up so much um, strife and like like you know the, the memory the memory of apartheid and stuff like that. So I'm speaking about this because you'll find that there's a certain way. For instance, if you take your if your child lives in a township, but you're taking your child to a private school, when they come back home, they still have to adopt to the fact that they're still in a township because the parents themselves don't necessarily agree with the with the with the um, how do I say with the, the the culture of the private school. So when you come back home, yeah, when you come back home, there's still a, a kind of uh, like tension when it comes to how you even just communicate like a better standard of living because as 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 people as as the as the black people in certain spaces they feel like this is how this is who they are this is how they are and it speaks of legacy and culture and all these intricacies so i feel like it's a good angle to look at it like putting um, a certain standard of living um, in a in a um, in a hostile space Mm -hmm. I, I do agree with that being a, a, an indicator, but I do um, agree. I do know that hostility it, it like resists. It's, it's like it resides in the hearts of people. Yeah, hostility resides inside the human. It's not something that just exists in the air. It's because it's it's, it's almost like that whole um, the forgive but don't forget and. That's the yeah. way of white people. Yeah. This is the way of black people. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a certain, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation where as soon as you start eating a certain dessert, like let's just say a lemon meringue pie, they'd be like, what's that? And you'd be like, no, it's a lemon meringue pie. Ah, that's white people. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. And, and but, bring but bring Jillian custard, my guy. Bring Jillian all the custard. Yes, and you, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, that's 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 familiar to to a certain group of people. I I, I won't lie. It's yeah. those are the just I used the the dessert uh, example that I don't think it'll be as as simple yeah. as it is uh, as 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 we think it is to just introduce that. You know that's why I you know why I give the whole thing of of housing. Black, yeah. black people in general, they feel like, uh, and I'm not trying to stereotype anything because it's not a negative thing to yeah, say, yeah, but yeah. ownership yeah. of something mm. is one way to empower them. To empower us, we need to own something. When yeah. you give a person a house, they have mm. ownership of it. Be it a house that has three bedrooms, seven bedrooms, one bedroom, whatever it is. Yeah. The moment they feel like, yes, this is mine. I own it. Mm. I feel like that's that's already curing a certain um, um, portion of their the mind um, when it comes to kind of progressing. Give them something they own, then you give them then you give them a place for their children to go. Give mm. them a hospital for them to go to. But as long as they feel like they have a sense of ownership in the land, you have one. You've done half. You've done half the job. That's why housing giving them a house that's you'll find if you go into a township housing and them not having house a house with bricks and mortar not a flat you don't give them a flat you give them a house mm. you, if, if you give them a house where it's bricks mortar a roof a steady roof there's a certain level of peace that comes with it and i think we can even trace this back to biblical times like shelter is actually a very tricky thing when it shelter and land has been something since Abraham, since Father Abraham, yeah. land and shelter has been such a, 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 a thing when it comes to human beings in general. So give them that thing as the government, give them that thing. Let's start off with that, provide them with housing. Everyone should, everyone should deserve to live in a solid house. Yeah. But everyone now, should live in a solid house. 
But do you think that um, if, if we look at the way, because um, they've done that, they've done the RDP housing, you know, um, whether they haven't it, completed it, they haven't really, haven't they haven't really done it. Yeah, they, they haven't, haven't really, really done, done it, it proper. You yeah, know? yeah so, they haven't done it proper. And it comes back to, to your point of saying that we're living in a capitalist world because they're only doing it as long as it benefits them, you know. So that's that's the one problem that we have in Africa. But, yes. but now then uh, the question is, how then can we get them to do that if we still have them in leadership? That's where the young, your young people um, being in leadership position will take can take off, I guess. I think it's almost having that heart of, okay, let's address the issues. Let's look at the issues. Okay, there's a water problem. What do we do to solve that water problem? Yeah. Right? Look at the problems. The problems will literally guide you to how to solve some of these issues. I think right now what we're struggling with is, is um, we're seeing a, um, a government that's already problematic in its roots. Mm. And that's why we're, it's, 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 we're just basically suffering the consequence of that. But if we had to start afresh, like you said, start on a new slate. Yes. Whoever the new slate is, they need to look at the problems. Yes. Let's address the problems. You know, if we're looking, if, if education in a certain um, area is a problem, let us look at that. Let's do it. Yeah. If it's if it's hospitalized, if it's the hospitals are dilapidated, let's look at that. Let's do that. Let's look at the problems. Because I think at the end of the day, your economy rests within your people. And I think the more you uplift your people, your economy will be uplifted because now they'll have a sense of wanting to go to work. You'll see your labor force expands and increases because there'll be a lot more things to do because of all these activities that are taking place in the land now. You'll find that there's a better sense of life and yeah. living. A lot of people that live in uh, terrible circumstances are really depressed and they're really depressed because there's so many things that are not going right. And now, because of that, if you have a group of people that feel the same way, all living in the same area, that place is poor. It's known as a poor place <laughs> because there's no activity. Yes. Yeah. So now if we look at the problem, we address the problem with these young people that are in power, as you said, I feel like we that's that's literally one of the most idealistic solutions. Um, but if we can't get the young people in power and we can't start on a fresh slate, we, I, if we're looking at how we are right now, mm -hmm. the, yeah, the solution is a little more tricky. I think, I don't know, like, does the government get audited regularly? Uh, are certain things just general things in play? You know, what is it that we have to, what can you do? What can you do, Mr. Alvis? Um, what, I, what, what, what I will do is, Right now, it's for me to go to the townships and to start teaching, um, teaching the, the, the young, the youth, the young, help them look at ways to, to manage their money financially, help them in ways to think out of the box of being in the township, but think of, not even thinking out of the box, think within that box of, of being in the township, using that, utilizing that box, because a lot of them feel like I'm in a township, there's nothing I can do. So uh, I think I would teach them how to even create economic opportunities for themselves in the community that they're in. And when I do that, because I know I do have a lot of friends that like you, that can help influence uh, these uh, a lot of the young people, even if it influences five young people in one community, I'm okay. I don't care, mm -hmm. you know. Um, use that as a form, but do that for free. Don't even monetize it. Just mm -hmm. do that for free, and that's yes. and, and and use because um, I'm I'm I work in a church, so use the church that I work in to go into these communities and use their buildings to help build those communities. Mm. I think that's, that's what I would yeah. do. That's what I would do. I think, 
I think that's that's great because you're already having the heart to empower someone else besides yourself. So I'm um, yeah. like um I run a charity organization named Just Love, and I'm not trying to advertise here, but I'm just saying so in this organization. <laughs> there's no advertising for nonprofit, um, so it's it's really no advertisement really. Um, yeah. but um in this organization, um we we would like to do just that. Um, some of the problems we bump into is that some of these spaces are actually still tied up within government in terms of land. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I think you cannot, as, a, as an organization that is not non-governmental or not for profit, you aren't actually allowed to uh, make changes on that land if it's owned by the government. I don't know if you know this, mm -hmm. but uh, once, once we wanted to go to, once we wanted to um, upgrade um, uh, physically, like in terms of infrastructure, upgrade an old age home, but it was on government property, and we were banned from it, even though we weren't using government funds. But wow. they, it's almost, it's almost, um, it's almost like disrespectful to to approach a, a governmental uh, piece of land and upgrade it if they are not doing it. You know what I mean? It's almost like we're spit, it's, it feels like we're spitting in their face and they take offense to it, that a private entity is coming to, to, to upgrade something that they own. I think we have to also look at those, those little intricate details of, oh, shucks, these communities that we're speaking about that we want to enter, who, who actually owns them? Yeah. You know, yeah. Alex is owned by a private sector. You know that, right? Uh, Alex is owned by this one man who owns the entire land of Alex. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. 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 So some some of these some of these places, you know, we have to start addressing the 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 nitty gritty um, things. And it's it's great that you know you'd want to we'd all want to like uplift and empower the people. But I think we also have to start addressing uh, uh, some of the things that disbar us from doing it. But but as much as we address those issues, I think we need to start building and upgrading our our minds. So that by the time we start addressing these issues, we address these issues with solutions. Yes. From yes. people who who are in these communities. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, just just to because now I just I have to go somewhere now. Um, That's okay. Your part, your your imparting words uh for this conversation, and we need to have another conversation like this next <laughs> with an economist as well. My my parting word is do not lose as as a, as a people don't lose um don't lose heart of doing good. Don't don't allow what you're seeing to discourage you um because it is it can discourage anybody. And as much as you'd want to vent there are platforms for that, but don't let it harden your heart towards people. Don't mm -hmm. let it harden your heart towards the nation and, that you live in. Rather just be proactive and solution minded um about the about the whole thing than actually allowing it to depress you um so that is my parting word man we we move <laughs> we move and there is hope there is hope on the other side and everything else is bright on the other side as well yeah thank you thank you very mm. much um thank you to v love veronica uh i'll send you all her um social media platform um handles and thank you very much for joining me as i just wanted to vent but out of this venting we managed to kind of like find means and ways to to help our mm. community. let's continue building communities as young people and build other young people to make to elevate them and make them our future leaders thank you very much amen, amen. conversations with al jackson poster we out peace uh, bye